And let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. All right, Matthew chapter 24. We, a couple weeks ago, we got started on this chapter. And this is one of the great chapters in the entire Bible. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, it's the pivotal chapter when it comes to prophecy. Now, you know, somebody might disagree and decide to land on Daniel 9 or somewhere in the book of Revelation. That's okay. You're wrong. I'm right. But... Uh, we, we, can, we can agree to disagree, um, but, I, but I believe it's a, it's a great chapter prophetically um, and, and also on a sentimental basis because it's, it's Jesus explaining things, huh? And to me, that's kind of special, not that the rest of the Bible isn't inspired, but it's him explaining things and answering his disciples as they ask him uh, some questions concerning the end time things, the kingdom, and, and, and his return. And what Matthew chapter 24 does, it looks forward to the book of Revelation, but it also looks backward and, and links Daniel chapter 9 uh, to the book of Revelation. So it's just a, an absolutely wonderful chapter, and we're going to take it a look at it, and we're going to just continue to go through it as the Lord leads, because we are living, I don't have to convince anybody, we are living in, in crazy times, are we not? We are living in times, and I, I say crazy, I often hear the word exciting, and I get that. I, I really do. I, I think, you know, to see Bible prophecy being fulfilled before our eyes, that's an exciting thing. But, uh, you know, I, I sure wish a little more of it was more Pollyanna than it is. <laughs> and uh, a lot of it's pretty dark, isn't it now? Because God's word is very clear. Satan is making one of his last bids and he is going to, he, he is still trying to usurp the throne. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but um, Satan is still trying to usurp the throne. Uh, back in Isaiah chapter 14, when he rebelled against God and went from Lucifer to Satan, the adversary, uh, that was one of his bids. And by the way, he succeeded in taking one third of the angels. Well, I bet you a lot of those angels over the ages have said, what was I thinking? <laughs> Why did I follow this loser? Because that's what he is, by the way. Any authority he has is usurped, it's temporary, and it's going to be forfeited to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords someday. But back there in Isaiah 14, uh, that was one of his big pushes to take over. Uh, then you get to Matthew chapter 4 when he tempted the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and then shortly thereafter, uh, several years later, when he, he had Christ crucified, that was another one of his big pushes. That was one of his big pushes. Let's kill the air. Let's kill the air and the inheritance will be ours. And he failed there at the resurrection of Christ. Uh, the next thing that happens is through the Antichrist. And we touched on this here uh, last time we, we, we studied this, and we're going to look at it again this morning. But that's going to be another big push on his part. And that's, see, that's what's going on. The orchestra is being tuned up. The orchestra is being tuned up. But folks, you see, the good news is that none of this has to take us by surprise. And by the way, I'm going to get ahead of myself again here. But over in the book of Luke, Jesus said, in, in patience, in patience, keep your soul. These are times, folks, we need to be patient. We don't need to be jumping off of cliffs. We don't need to be freaking out. 
The world doesn't need to see a bunch of Bible-believing Christians looking like a bunch of deer staring into a headlight. We don't need to be going around like Dorothy saying, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. God said it was going to go like this. And he made, he made it very clear that he's sovereign. He's still on the throne. And when it's all said and done, his will is going to be done. And if you're saved here this morning, you're on the winning side. The devil plays with smoke and mirrors. And he's going to lose. And then in Revelation chapter 20, he makes his last bid after the millennial reign of Christ. And he comes out of the bottomless pit. You'd think he would learn, but he doesn't. He doesn't. And he gathers up a, a, a great mass of people to rebel. I mean, after a thousand years of peace and prosperity, who could take that? We need to rebel. <laughs> I mean, what happens there in Revelation 20 just proves you get, rid of the, you get rid of the influence of Satan. You get rid of the influence of the world because everything's straightened out in the world. What's left? The flesh. <laughs> and people rebel. It's no different now. It's no different now. I see young people raised in wonderful Christian homes and in wonderful churches where they grow up clean and blessed. And they get through with all of that, and uh, man, I've, I've missed out on the pig pen. I just got to jump in and get some of that. I, I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at what I'm missing, and I really think I'm missing something great. It, it's the flesh. You, human nature is almost incurably rebellious unless, unless people are regenerated. And the devil finds a mass of unregenerated people at the end of Revelation chapter 20, and he gathers them together. And let me tell you something. This time, there's going to be nobody coming on white horses like at the Battle of Armageddon. God just rains down fire, and it's Frito-Lay time. Potato chips. <laughs> That's it. God's not fooling around anymore. And he takes the whole mess and throws it in the lake of fire, shuts the door, locks the key, and throws the key away. No, wait a minute. He gives it to his son because Jesus has the key keys of hell and death. That's right. So I got ahead of myself, but so what? All right. Matthew chapter 24. Let's take a look at it. Before we do, let's pray. Father, help, Lord. There's so much to talk about. You're so good. You're so wonderful. Uh, really, this is exciting stuff. Father, it vexes us to see the darkness, Lord, that um, our society is sinking into, and we look around the world, and um, Lord, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to decide, you know, wh which is the most, mo most profound uh, uh, dive into the abyss that we see, but uh, the bottom line, uh, Father, is, is your will is being played out, and, and Lord, you, you're bringing the apple of your eye, the nation of Israel, to a place of repentance someday, and God, our marching orders haven't changed. The Great Commission is still great. And uh, Father, we thank you that souls are still being saved. We heard about some last night at men's prayer, and we read about one in the bulletin as our young people went to uh, Columbia, and, and the work that's going on in Papua New Guinea, and all around us, Father, you're still in the soul-saving business. So Father, encourage us through your word to stay at the task, to, to stay with the fulfillment of the Great Commission, and understand, Lord, that you have everything under control, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus 
went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Now, you may have heard this called the Olivet Discourse. And the reason for that is he's on the Mount of Olives. And uh, they say, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. We talked about this. These are times of great deception. And, and Christian, be dialed into your Bible and you won't get deceived. Trust your eyes and your ears and your feelings. Trust your natural senses and your own discernment. You'll get deceived. Stay in the book. Stay in the book and you won't get deceived. Jesus warns us about deception. Then he says, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. And my, 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 the, you know, the, the, the news of the day is just, just fulfills that left and right. And now talk of nuclear war and all that other stuff. And, you know, you say, well, what, you know, what is it? You got the inside word on that? No, I don't. But you see it going on. Jesus, see, here's, look, look at what he talks about. He said, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Um, I find it's an exercise in futility to chase rumors around. How many of you work construction? How many, how many of you work construction understand there's always a rumor about a layoff? Uh, a rumor about a layoff and then a rumor about this job that we're on going three more years all in the same day. <laughs> and just when you hear, you know, we're going to have 10 months of 610s or 612s, all kinds of overtime, two weeks later you get a pink slip. Or then you hear about we're going to get a pink slip in two, in, in two weeks, and in two weeks, you know, we, I, I remember one time at the nuke plant, we had a shutdown on one of the reactors, and they were doing a bunch of work in there. And, and we, had, we, had, we were working 714s. I don't even know why we were there. We were all about, it, it looked like one of those Night of the Living Dead. You know, a bunch of people walking around like zombies. It was more dangerous than anything else. So, so rumors. It doesn't pay to chase them around. But Jesus said you're going to hear of them. And then he says, see that you be not troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Whatever fumes you're inhaling, look at the fruit of it. And if it causes you to get closer to God, more faithful, good. Keep inhaling them. But if it causes you to get away from the things of God, quit inhaling them. Get back in your Bible. And he says this, For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. In divers places, that's diverse places, different places. I remember when I first got saved, I thought, divers places, what's this business of people diving all the time? I didn't understand the Bible at first. But anyways, earthquakes. Strongest earthquake on record was in Chile in 1960, a 9.5 on the Richter scale. The strongest one in American history was near Anchorage, Alaska, in 1964, it was a 9.2 on the Richter scale. Now, understand this. Uh, 
a, a five, a five on the Richter scale, and you, if you go to a 10, it's not twice as powerful. It's multiple times more powerful. The Richter scale works that way. A, a, a 7.8 versus an 8.2 is a huge difference. Uh, the country with the most earthquakes is Tajikistan on the border of Afghanistan. It has an average of 2,000 tremors a year, nearly six per day. How many of you remember that little shakeup we had? I think it was about five years ago. Was that about right? It seems like that was about right. And I remember it was, it was on a Wednesday, and it was around, I want to say about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, 4.30, I was up in my office. I was at my study desk. I had the door open. Nobody was in the offices. I had the door open behind me, and I was studying, and all of a sudden, it just felt and sounded like someone about the size of Frankenstein with those big boots come boom, boom, boom into my office. So I was a little bit weary about turning around to see who it was. <laughs> I thought, wow. <laughs> Am I ready for this? Because, you know, I've had, I've had a, on a couple of occasions over the years, I had one guy, he was about the size of Frankenstein, and looked a little bit like him, and he was all mad, and he came come into my office just like that, and I was sitting in the same spot. I was like, whoa, am I having a flashback? But then I noticed that there was another little bit of this, and I thought, I'm getting out of here. I'm on the second floor. And I don't know much about earthquakes, but every picture I've ever seen of the aftermath of an earthquake, there's piles of rubble. And I've always thought, I don't want to be in that pile. So I just turned around, and I thought, Frankenstein or no Frankenstein, I'm out of here. And I turned around, and I went out, and I got out, and I stood in the parking lot, and there were some other people in some of the other buildings around here that had come out, and they're looking around too. And, and just think of six per day. Tokyo, Japan has an average of three earthquakes per month. The country with the deadliest earthquake was in 1556 in China. An earthquake killed 830,000 people in less than three hours. It was the most destructive quake as far as human loss in, in the history. In 1976, a quake hit China. <coughs> and hit 8.2 on the Richter scale, killed 240,000 people, and injured 500,000. This recent quake in Nepal, I believe it was in 2015, and um, uh, it was a 7.8 on the Richter scale, 9,000 people died, 22,000 suffered injuries, and uh, Brother Hearn and his family were involved in that, we heard from them on that. It's, it's a reality. 600,000 homes were destroyed. One-third of the population was affected. As a matter of history, and I've seen the statistics, you've probably seen them as well, earthquakes are increasing in frequency all around the world and in intensity. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. <clears throat> and then we get into verse 8. He says, and all these things are the beginning of sorrows, okay? Now listen, if you know your Bible, you know the next big event on God's calendar is the rapture, the catching away, or the resurrection of the saints. So we're going to be out of here, folks. But as we said before, dispensations are not like a light switch. God just doesn't flip from one to the other. It's more like a dimmer switch. 
it's gradual. There's a transition. And so what we're seeing around us, and that's why I said it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. On one hand, it's exciting because we see what's going on, and God told us about it, and it's great witnessing opportunity, but at the same time, it's sad. If you got Jesus Christ living inside of you, you got the Holy Spirit inside of you, you got the Word of God, <clears throat> you're going to love righteousness. And Jesus says in here, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That, that's, that's a sorrowful thing. <clears throat> so Jesus says these are the beginning of sorrows. Then, verse 9, this is where we pick up, and this is where we left off uh, last week. By the way, when you look at verses 7 and 8, Christ is hearkening forward to Revelation uh, chapter 6, <clears throat> and you have the seven seal judgments, which open up into the trumpet judgments in chapters 8, and then chapter 9 opens up into three woes and uh, finishes up uh, in chapter 11. Then you get to chapters 15 and 16 in the book of Revelation, and you have the vile judgment. This is what Christ is referencing in, in verses 7 and 8. Now we get to verse 9, and he says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Who's he talking about there? Well, he's talking to his disciples but particularly, these are Jewish disciples. And notice what he says. And she'll kill you, and you shall be hated of what? All nations for my name's sake. Folks, it's almost hard to believe with our understanding of history, even recent history, that anti-Semitism could be on the rise. That it could be on the rise anywhere. That it could be on the rise in our country that it could be on the rise, are you ready for this? Among Christians. Among Christians. It's fashionable among independent Baptists these days to dismiss the promises that God gave to Abraham and Israel and to have, to have the church usurp those things. Folks, that's folly. That's not Bible. That's folly. And you look at the Jews, and you look at the nation, and you look at their history, and, and you take inventory, and there's no other explanation for the continual hatred of them as a people than, other than what the Bible says. The devil is after them, man. The devil is after them. Folks, every author of this book that you have in your lap this morning is a descendant, a, a direct descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's an, a Gentile author in this book. Your Savior comes from the tribe of Judah. The devil hates Israel. And, God, and the devil knows about the promises that God has made toward Israel. And by the way, here's another thing he hates about Israel, is Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign for 1,000 years from a throne in Jerusalem with Israel as the chiefest of nations. And again, the devil wants to run this world. And so in Israel, he sees competition. He hates them as a nation. And here you have it. And, and we look around us, and, and it's impossible to explain, except that it's a spiritual issue, the hatred that this world has toward... You, you would think after the Holocaust and the Second World War, People would say, whoa, time out, and a lot of people have, but that hasn't stopped, that hasn't stopped many. That hasn't stopped. In fact, there are those that deny it. Oh, it never really happened. Never really happened. 
Verse 10. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Here in verses 10 through 12, we're going to see the tipping of the scales. Watch for the word many. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Folks, that's why Jesus told us to, to, um, to be patient because the scales are tipping in this world. They're tipping in this world. Folks, I'm sorry. I, I would like to stand here and tell you that, that America's best days are ahead of it. And, and that everything's going to be great. And when the Lord blows the horn, you're going to have a full stomach, perfect health, your family gathered around you, and a house that's paid for, and a fat portfolio, and a Republican in the White House. <laughs> I can't promise you any of that. In fact, the Bible says the scales are tipping the wrong direction for any of that. All right. Folks, let's just settle something here this morning. God didn't promise us Christians heaven on earth. He really didn't. We've probably had it too good for too long in this country that we have a distorted understanding and we tend to read the Bible through American lenses. Now, I'm not knocking America. You cut me, I'll bleed as red, white, and blue as the next guy. But you got to understand this. This isn't an American book. This is God's book, and God has a world that he's got his eyes on, not just one country. And so, you know, we, we've, been, we've been living high on the hog for, for centuries in this country. Regardless of anything this country's ever gone through, it's, it's nothing compared to what's going to be taking place in the tribulation period. So what is God, what is Christ telling his disciples there in verses 10, 11, and 12? He's saying, look, guys, the scales are tipping Many shall be offended. Many false prophets are going to deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, the love of many shall wax cold. Many shall be offended. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, they'll make a man an offender for a word. We're living there now. This woke culture, this cancel culture, there, there's just little words that are tripwires. If you don't go along with the program, you're hateful and you're racist. I mean, they could be talking about the vehicle you drive. And if you don't drive the right vehicle, you're a racist. What does, what does that have to do with anything? It's just spewing a bunch of rhetoric. You, you know what? It's just, I mean, I grew up understanding communism was that way. You know what the left is in our country? It's communist. It's communist. <clears throat> you know, I used to feel sorry for people that lived in Russia and behind the Iron Curtain and in China. And man, they're always getting lied to, you know, and, and, and the government controls the media. And, and you know, they, uh, they don't know what to think and they're told what to think and they're brainwashed and it's all propaganda. But you know the big difference between them and us? Most of the people there know it. They know it. They make jokes about it. You know, you know what's worse about our country? Half the country doesn't realize it. 
And so, this, so what is Jesus saying here? The, the, the scales are tipping. The scales are tipping. <clears throat> uh, Brother Nyhart was talking to me the other day. We were talking. We've, I guess we've had two warnings on one of the platforms we're on with this um, live stream. And, and the warnings involved Brother Chuck Harding being here and preaching. And he said something that someone who's much smarter than the rest of us, some penhead with a college education that's still living, still living in his mother's basement, is something that, that Brother Harding said that he didn't like. It must have been a patriotic statement or something. Or pray for America. <laughs> oh, what could be worse? Jesus is telling us that the, the scales are tipping. Uh, the political divide in our country. The end of neighborliness. The end of neighborliness. And don't even get, get me started on all this trans junk. If, li, listen, any talk of doing that to anybody under the age of 21, I don't see how it couldn't be child abuse. And I think it should be a capital offense. And, and put me down for that in live stream land. From sea to shining sea, from continent to continent, it ought to be a capital offense. And any doctor that performs all those stupid op... I don't want to tell you what I'm thinking. It would have to be only men here if I was going to tell you what I was thinking. It ought to be a capital offense for them to do that. But the end of neighborliness... Um, how many of you remember that canteen spirit video we showed? I've had more than one person saying the same, say the same thing that I feel every time I watch that. It, it's a bittersweet thing. It, it, it's, I, I know this is an old hippie phrase, but to watch it and to think of it and to hear those testimonies, it's a beautiful thing. The bitter part about it is that spirit is gone. That spirit is gone. The average person in America wouldn't walk around the block to help their neighbor, much less do what those people did, just to give our soldiers 15 minutes of encouragement before they went to go risk their lives in war. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up, uh, Google it up, look it up however you want to. It's the uh, North Platte, North Platte um, uh, Nebraska uh, canteen on, on the railway uh, in, in, during the time of the Second World War where those, those soldiers stopped and they got out, just, just 10, 15 minutes stop. But those communities all around her came together and they just did everything they could to be an encouragement and the neighborliness and the togetherness and the bonding and, and the teamwork. And Jesus said, it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. You say, that's kind of negative, preacher. Well, it's kind of real. Look around you. I mean, should we pretend otherwise? Huh? Should we, should we pretend that Mr. Rogers is around every corner saying, would you be my neighbor? <laughs> and that's not really what's going on. You know what, you know what, it, uh, you know what it magnifies? The fact where this book, where this book takes precedent, everything gets better. And when people get away from this book and go against this book, everything gets worse. Including as something as simple as neighborliness, honesty, integrity. Uh, there was a time in our country 
where a, a man would do a business deal on a handshake. There was no need for contracts. Nobody needed a lawyer because a man was good for his word. And Jesus said the scales are tipping, verses 10 through 12. Look at verse 13. Now notice this next verse, and this is important that we understand uh, what what the Lord is, is talking about here. He says in verse 13, and he that shall endure unto the end, he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be what? Saved. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. The scales are tipping. The scales are tipping. Let me show you the verse that I keep misquoting. Go to uh, Luke 21. Go to Luke 21. Luke 21. And this, by the way, is a companion portion of Scripture in the book of Luke to what we're looking at in Matthew chapter 24. In Mark, it's Mark chapter 13. John does not have an extensive section on this period of time, which is, which is an interesting thought when you think of John as a picture of the church. But um, I digress. Uh, verse uh, 19, Luke chapter 21 and verse 19. Christ is in the middle of this dissertation, uh, according to Luke's. And uh, he says in verse 19, in your patience possess ye your souls. In your patience possess ye your souls. That, I, I think that's a message in and of itself. I, I, could, I could stop there and just preach on that. Folks, it, it's going to be steady with your hands on the wheel, and don't freak out. Just go on for God. Just go on for God. Has there ever been a time in your life where you were really tempted to freak out, and you look back now, and you're glad you didn't freak out? <laughs> you think, man, if I would have done what every fiber of my body wanted me to do, <laughs> I'd be in a mess right now. But I didn't freak out. That's what the Lord's saying. Don't freak out. Uh, look at Mark 13. We'll go back. We'll go back to. Uh, we'll talk about this enduring to the end here in a minute. But Mark chapter thirteen. I, I told you in the very beginning this is not going to be a homiletical masterpiece, and I don't care. Okay, I've reached. I've been preaching for over forty years. I can see fifty years from where I'm standing, and I don't care what anybody thinks of me as a pulpiteer. I don't. I love you, but I don't care. Okay, I've gotten past all that. I just want you to get something. Amen. I just want you to get something. And I, I don't need you walking out here, oh, what a great person. No, I want you to walk out of here going, what a great God. What a great Bible. Boy, that preacher's kind of a, you know, scatterbrained knucklehead. But what a great God. What a great Bible. I'll take that. I'll take that. Okay? Um, Mark chapter 13. Mark 13. And again, this is the companion in the book of Mark to what we're looking at in Matthew chapter 24. And look at, look at, verse, look at verse 12. We talk about the scales tipping. Uh, verse 12, and now brothers shall betray the brother to death and the father the son and children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. What I'm seeing the last 10 years or so, I'm watching Christian young people or professing Christian young people, at least they were raised in good Bible-believing churches. And, you know, they had their little uh, profession of faith. Apparently, for some of them, it was just a bubblegum profession. But I'm watching them grow up and then get immersed in the Internet and go woke, and the hatred 
that they have for their parents and their siblings and their church and their pastor and their God? I mean, it's, I'm going to tell you something. It's a head scratcher. I mean, I've had them come after me. I've had, you know, I've had some little girls go lesbian and stuff and then start, uh, somebody handed me the, 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 um, the, uh, uh, the back and forth between a couple of them on, on, on I, I, right out in, in the middle of everywhere in social media. I guess, I guess they don't have the brains to keep it to themselves. But, you know, little girl working at a coffee shop talking about her, her wanting me dead. I didn't go to that coffee shop again for six months. Okay? You can hate me and want me dead, but you ain't making my coffee. Okay? I'm bald, but I ain't stupid. <laughs> okay? I thought most of those hairs off my head, okay? <laughs> I mean, I've had, I mean, I've had, you know, and I don't, I had to do nothing with that. I'm not going to make a big fuss. Besides, I like the coffee shop. Six months came and went. The girl quit working there, and I went back and got my coffee. But I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. But there's stuff I could have gotten. I, I could have gotten the authorities involved in. For what? I loved you, preached to you, provided camps for you so you could have fun and grow up clean and find a good spouse that wasn't all slobbered all over? What else did I do wrong? <laughs> all of a sudden, you want me dead? You know what you're looking at? Look at verse 12. That's what you're looking at. I told you, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Quit looking for the news behind the news. It's right here. Oh, I just know oh, it's, it's a conspiracy of the six guys that wear coveralls. It's right here. It's the devil. And in patience, possess your soul. Don't quit serving God over it. You quit serving God over this stuff. You know all that tells me? You've had your hope in the wrong thing. You've had your marbles in the wrong basket. Get your marbles in the right basket. Put them in God's basket. You haven't tried to poison your coffee. I haven't quit. That's serious. That's getting close to home. You mess with my coffee. You might as well slit my tires. Pour sand in my gas tank. But don't mess with my coffee. <laughs> now we're preaching, aren't we? Amen. But look what Jesus says in verse 12. Now the brother... <clears throat> we got to wrap this up pretty soon. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father, the son, the children shall rise up against their parents and, and shall cause them to be put to death. And, and I'll tell you something. I don't spend any, any more time crying about it. I love you, but when you hate me, well, then I'm going to pray for you and move on. I am not a punching bag. Well, I was one, but there's no stuffing left. Okay, so I ain't going to let you beat on me anymore. And you parents, some of you need to do that too. Your kid goes rotten like this. Your, your kid goes anti-Christ and hellion. Your kid says he hates you, she hates you. You'll never see the grandkids again. You tell them, bon voyage. Your mother and I have better things to do than sit around worrying about you. 
And by the way, and don't ever tell them I'll never talk to you. You can just say, when you get your head screwed on straight, then come back. Until then, stay where you're at. Oh, they just keep, they just keep getting a hold of me every day and call me. Then, then block the calls. Well, I just love them too much. Think about the kids that are still home. Think about the ones that do love you. Think about the rest of your life. Think about having some happiness and some peace. Think about still serving God instead of dying on that old hill. You say, that's a little cold. It's not cold. It's just real. They get, un- they get unreasonable. You can't deal with unreasonable people, even if it is your own flesh and blood. Amen. I'm telling you that because Jesus said it's going to get worse. And I hope it doesn't happen to you, but it has happened to some of us. Verse 13, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. By the way, if they hate you for Christ's sake, you're in good company. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. There's that, there's that phrase again. And then verse 14, where we're going next, well, not next week, but the week after, okay? But when you shall see the abomination of desolation, and when Obama was president, I used to call it the abomination of desolation. Uh, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand where it ought, standing where it ought not. Let him that readeth understand. Let him that uh, them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. Let's go back to that. Uh, he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Let's go back to Matthew twenty-four and verse thirteen, and let's close there. So what does that mean? He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. You mean, that means if I get saved, I got to be a good boy until I die, and then I'll be saved. That's not what that's talking about. Now look, you ought to be a good boy till you die. Huh? I can't understand these Christians. Well, you know, I'm just looking for a reason to backslide. If God would give me one, I'd do it. You better check your salvation. Because getting saved won't make you sinless but it'll sure make you sin less. Well, if I believed like you, then I would just live like hell. Well, that means you're not saved. That salvation you think you can lose, you don't even have it if you think that way. He that shall endure endure to the end, the same shall be saved. During the tribulation period, you got to make it to the end without taking the mark of the beast. Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 14. You take the mark of the beast, it's over with. That's what he's talking about. you got to endure to the end. And by the way, it's, if you're not saved here this morning, looking in online or here in this service, if you're not saved, I would get saved now. Because after the rapture, you're going to have to be martyred in order to be saved. I would get saved right now. The Bible says now is the time. The Bible says today is the day. So I'll do it tomorrow. I got this to do and that to do. And um, Let me tell you something. That's all the devil wants you to do. Just put it off. Put it off. You put it off till tomorrow. He'll give you another reason tomorrow to put it off till the next day. And then you'll get so used to doing that that the gospel won't affect you anymore. Your heart will be hardened. Get saved now. Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Christian, Christian, these are exciting times. People are getting saved left and right. The fishing is good. (laughs) The fish are biting. Throw that lure out there. Throw that worm out there. Throw that minnow out there. 
Throw that floating fly out there. I like the floating ones. I never, I've caught more fish fly fishing with the ones, you know, with, that go under the water. It's not as fun. You throw that thing out there, it's just kind of sitting there, and boom. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. It's fun to win people to Christ. It'll give you a reason to live. Because grinding corn for the Philistines, putting food on the table, growing old and dying isn't enough. Family or no family, it's not enough. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. The abundant life is found in bringing others to Jesus Christ. And some of you here this morning, you don't even know what I'm talking about. And you've been saved more than 10 years. I'm not going to try to shame you. I'm just going to say I feel sorry for you. Because you're missing it. You're missing it. You want to be happy? Start winning people to Christ. It's called, the soul winner's crown is called a crown of what? Joy. Crown of joy. So Christian, our marching orders are still the same. And all God's doing, stirring up these waters, is making the fishing better than it's ever been. And if you've not been saved, come to Christ now. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're in control. You're a sovereign God. Nothing takes you by surprise. And that the devil's a loser. And Lord, you said, you said more than once in the minor and major prophets, and even Job alluded to it, Lord. You got a hook in the devil's mouth, and you're reeling them in. And uh, Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to believe in your word, trust in your word, act upon your word, and have the courage, have the courage to look this old age right in the eye and say, I'm with Jesus Christ. I'm with God. Help us as believers, Father, and help that one without Christ to come to a saving knowledge of him before it's too late. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our hymnals and turn to number 595. One day, let's sing it out, number 595. Nice.
up here and close us in a word of prayer, please. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the message we heard this morning. God, we pray that you truly would just help us to take it for, for what it is, and it's the truth, and it's the reality, and help us to live life in light of eternity. God, help us to take that light that you've given us through Jesus Christ and go out into this world and, and live it before them and share it with them and win others before there's no opportunity left to do so. God, we thank you for your goodness to us in our lives and for working in our lives. We pray that you would uh, give us a good week, help us to glorify and magnify Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.